Hello everyone, hope you're doing well today. Uh, so today, it's a different episode because it's Christmas. We're going to look at uh, the story of, of how Christmas originated, which is completely different to the way it's told now. We don't uh, look at what the real meaning of Christmas is, and that's what we're going to look at today, what the real meaning of Christmas is about. Uh, so if you look in your Bibles, uh, the the story of how Jesus was born um, is not in the book of Mark or the book of John. They go straight into John the Baptist. It's only in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. Uh, either one you read, it's, it's a little bit long if you read the whole story. And Luke is a little bit more extensive than Matthew. Uh, it goes through the story about Elizabeth and Zachariah. That's very interesting. That plays into uh, the story of how... Uh, Jesus came to be because that's about John the Baptist and he prepared the way uh, for them but we're going to look at Matthew today and what we're going to do is we're going to uh, read through the Christmas story and and how how it all happened play by play and I've got a few notes that I've that are from that I've written down from last year and we're gonna uh, I'm going to sort of go th slowly through it um, and we're going to see the Christ of Christmas uh, through this story. Um, so if you turn to Matthew chapter 1, it starts off with uh, the genealogy of Jesus. Um, and first off, I'm not I'm not going to go all the way through the genealogy. I'm just going to pick out a couple of things in the genealogy because it is a bit long. Um, but the first thing that you notice, first of all, in verse 1 is, it says the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. And that's that's a big statement there for for Jewish people because uh, people they've the Jewish people they've been waiting for the Messiah for oh my it, up to that point it must have been around four thousand years or so they've been waiting for their promised Redeemer the one who would come and rescue them um, and we have a prophecy uh, in the book of Isaiah uh, and it's in chapter nine uh, that that foretells what's going to happen this was probably four or five hundred years prior i'm not 100 percent sure check a scholar i am no scholar all right we're in isaiah chapter 9 from verse 2 the people who walk in darkness will see a great light those that live in a dark land the light will shine on them you will multiply the nation you will increase their joy they will rejoice in your presence as with the joy of harvest as people rejoice when they Divide the spoils. For you will break the yoke of burden of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as the, as at, at the battle of Midian. For every brute of the marching warrior in the roar of battle and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness, from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. And that's, that's uh, a prophecy uh, proclaiming that Jesus would come uh, and... He would be born, like the God of the universe, as it says, mighty God. He would be born, the eternal father, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor. He's going to be born as a child. And 
he's going to bring the kingdom of God to earth. That, that's what this passage is talking about. So when we go uh, back to Matthew, we see the importance of, of this term when we're talking about the Messiah. This is, uh, I think it means anointed one or um, saviour. Um, and a lot of Jewish people at the time, they saw this idea of the Messiah as someone who would come and save them uh, from Rome. Uh, and who would defeat Rome and take it over and, and start a new, uh, make Israel what it once was. But in, in fact, the Messiah, as Jesus is, he didn't come to save people from captivity per se, in the physical sense. He came to save people from their sins. And that's what uh, what this story is going to show us in the end. If you read through uh any of the gospels that that's what it, it ends with it ends with the redeeming of mankind and of all those who believe um so yeah if you look through the genealogy you see a lot of names you're like who are these people why are they in here uh well this is this is the line of jesus uh, and i think they said that this is the line of joseph uh from sorry jesus's father joseph um and when you look through all these names, if you go back and look, you might recognize a couple here and there. Um, throughout the Bible, these people have, have, are scattered. And something that Pop said to me is all of these people were, were great sinners. They, they committed great, great crimes. David. Now, now, we know that he did great things. He was one of the greatest kings that he was probably the greatest king that Israel had. But he, he also committed great crimes. He committed adultery. He committed murder. He coveted. He stole. And he was just as much a sinner uh, as as any of these other people. After David, it shows all of these kings here uh, that, that, that ruled Israel. And most of these people, a vast majority of these people, all were, were evil people. And they did horrible things. If you read through... Uh, kings and chronicles and, and, and places like that. And it leads there uh, in verse 11 uh, to Josiah, father Jeconia and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Because that's where they ended up because of such an evil um, accent and, and turning away from God. Uh, they led the people of Israel into captivity, into Babylon. Um and then it says, after the deportation to Babylon, and it goes on. And and despite uh, them going to Babylon, despite the sin of their fathers, God was still able to result his plan. He was able to uh, to bring the Messiah to, to save them. Despite all of these people who were almost like a, sabotaging their own cause, in a sense. This was supposed to be... Uh, the 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 line of 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 the king of Israel, but it's it was it was turned into a laughing stock almost. But yet God was able to bring Jesus into the world, who was perfect, sinless, despite coming from a line of 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 sinners, and that's incredible. You think how how he, how that happened? And we'll come to that soon, very soon. And really, in this, you see the faithfulness of God here. That that despite all of these people not uh, fulfilling the covenant that they that they had with God, 
God was saying, I'm going to fulfill my part of the covenant, even if you are unfaithful. <clears throat> and he was faithful. He uh, he let them uh, go into their sin, and the result of sin is they went to captivity. And he, but he brought them back to their land after 70 years. He brought them back from Babylon, back into Israel. And they became a nation again. And then they uh, came under Rome. But yet God was still faithful to 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 complete his plan. And if you want uh, a story in the Old Testament that illustrates the faithfulness of God compared to the evil of man, the, the book of Hosea is a um, it's a true story. It's it's a, almost it's a true story as a parable to the people of Israel, showing them how much they sinned and fallen away, but yet God was still going to remain faithful to them. So that's that's an interesting parallel if you want to look at that. And now we get into the uh, the birth of Jesus, and in the first uh, verse of this section, which is verse eighteen, again Matthew emphasizes the point that now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, was as follows. That's the fourth time now that Jesus has been called the Messiah by Matthew, because he's trying to make it make it so clear to to us that Jesus, he is the one, he is God, he is the one who came to save us. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot there. Betrothed, uh, it says here in my footnotes, it says, unlike engagement, a betrothed couple was considered married, uh, but they didn't live together yet, which is an interesting concept. It's, it's different to engagement. It's similar, but except they were considered married. But they didn't live together yet. And then think think about how tough this was for Mary. If you uh, read in, in Luke, it'll show... Actually, we'll go to Luke now. Um, we'll show how how this uh, happened to Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, or the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement, and was pondering what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. But Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason also the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth herself has conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called infertile, is now in her sixth month, but nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the Lord's bond servant, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So so that happens, right? So the angel appears to Mary and says, You're going to conceive uh, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to conceive the child in her. And this is a tough situation for Mary because now Joseph, he's going to be... Uh, Worry, he's going to think, what's been going on with Mary? What has she done? And it says, and her husband, Joseph, verse 19, since he uh, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, 
planned to send her away secretly, which which meant to divorce her secretly. He he didn't want to make a big scene about this. He wanted to just move on and and to be very uh, generous about it in some sense. Um, when when you're in that situation, your 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 wife is pregnant. You haven't done anything with her. Doesn't make much uh, sense to you, uh, but the angel's going to tell him how it happened. But when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And isn't that isn't that incredible? It's coming back to this idea that that Jesus he is the Messiah, and his purpose not to save people from a government, but rather to save people from their sins, because that's that is the disease that that is has uh, that is destroying all of mankind. Uh, it says in Romans, I think it's chapter, it might be chapter six or chapter eight. It says the wages of sin is death. Is that's what we earn for ourselves? We we keep sinning and sinning and sinning, and the result of sin. Is that we we have to die? That that is the ultimate result of it. But it also says in that verse, "But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus," and that's what's being offered in this child. This child isn't just any other birth. This is the the birth of the Savior of the world. And and again, Matthew is emphasizing that. And, and isn't it incredible that Jesus, who was God, was able to be incarnated to become a baby? It's such a glorious thing that that God would stoop down so low to become one of us. It's not just the stooping down low. It's such a miracle. You can't even imagine God becoming a, a human being. And yet, here it is, right there. Um, and then verse 22, we go to next. Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So there we have another prophecy from uh, the book of Isaiah about uh, the birth of, of Jesus. Uh, and we're going to look... At, at that one in Isaiah chapter 7 so in this uh, chapter we see that uh, the Lord wanted to show himself to Ahaz uh, by giving him a sign but Ahaz he said he didn't want a sign so Isaiah said that God was going to give him a sign anyway and and the sign was uh, this uh, this prophecy that therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign verse 14 behold the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel, and that means God with us. And then it keeps going. It says, he will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. For before the boy knows enough to refuse refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be abandoned. Yeah, I'm not going to get in that, into that too much, because I could get into a rabbit hole talking about but that but again that's another incredible prophecy fulfilling uh being fulfilled right here in the book of matthew and the book of luke um 
that Emmanuel, who is God with us, who is Jesus, he came and he was conceived. Again, that's, 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 that's just two prophecies there. We can go back to the to the book of Genesis in chapter 3 where it prophesied uh, that Jesus was going to crush the head of the serpent. That's later in the book of Matthew. There's so many prophecies that link the Old Testament um, that link the Old Testament of the Bible to the New Testament of the Bible because it's an interlocking book. It doesn't separate. It's it's two uh, glass panes of, of one picture. That When they're both put together, they form a perfect picture which reveals the glory of God. And we, and we just saw Joseph, he woke from his dream and he went and did what the angel said. He's pretty convincing, isn't it? Uh, if you've got an angel uh, telling you... Uh, what to do. Alright, now we're going to go back to the book of Luke. And we're going to look at uh, how Jesus was born. In the circumstances of his birth. And then we're going to look at the story of the shepherds. And then we go back to the book of Matthew for the story of the Magi. Which happens after uh, Jesus had been born. Luke chapter 2 verse 1. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. That a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. That's the Roman Empire. Uh, this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all the people were on the way to register for the census, each to his own city. And and just a quick side note on that: isn't that incredible that uh, throughout uh, this story we've seen different names and and times and what's been happening specifically that we can reference back to in history and say, oh, this really happened. Oh, this this connects perfectly what with what we know because because the Bible is accurate and yeah. and that's that's really good to know because people they often knock the Bible when they don't really know the the archaeological and historical facts but the, even though the Bible is is pretty clear enough. All right, now we're up to verse four. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, for there was because there was no room for them in the inn. And it's got the inn there. Uh, recently I've been hearing a bit about how that word has been uh, translated some people would say that instead of in the in refers to a family house uh, which would have been uh, in so in Bethlehem uh, Joseph's family they would uh, family house there wasn't room in the family house so they had to go into the main into the uh, the stable because there was there was no room in the family house uh, some people you, you can look into that yourself uh, but that, that's just an interesting side note. It, it wasn't like a hotel, motel type thing, uh, per se. But you should look into that. Alright, uh, verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel says to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good no news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You find you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly 
there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. And when the angels departed, had departed from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry, and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen him, they made known the statement which they which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed about the things which they had been told by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as they had been told them. I just heard someone uh, talking, I can't even remember who was talking about this recently, but they were saying the idea that these shepherds, they were taking care of the lambs that were probably uh, sacrificed in, in Jerusalem for uh, the forgiveness of people's sins because they had to continually sacrifice pure lambs uh, to to cover people's sins. They couldn't take away the sins of the people. It would just cover it until we have Jesus who would come and die and take away the sin of the world. So they were taking care of the lambs that, that covered the, the sins of the people. And Jesus came and he was going to be the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. And another thing about the shepherds, a lot of people find it interesting that uh, the angels came and they told the shepherds. They didn't go and tell any of the, the townspeople or they didn't go tell a king or a, or a ruler about the coming of Christ. They went in and to told these lowly shepherds who were probably near the bottom of the, the economic triangle per se. And it's incredible that um, throughout this story, um, things have been done not not the way that you would expect it to happen, but the way that God planned it to happen. He has um, his own perfect way of accomplishing his will, and often we um, we don't have a clue what that is, and uh, uh, we. Because God's will is above our own, above our own perspective, we need to trust him more with that. Now we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 2, uh, where we have the visit, visiting of the Magi. And they've come a few days after Jesus was born. Or we don't know a few days. We don't know roughly how long. Uh, but I think it says a bit later, verse 11, it says they came to the house. So maybe they were in the family house at that point. I'm not 100% sure, but it was definitely after Jesus was born. So it's not exactly right, the nativity scene where we got the shepherds and the magi together. But. Right, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, magi, um, and says, a case of educated men specializing in astronomy, astrology, and natural science. From the east, arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. Uh, and the prophet here is referring to Micah. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, and by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
And that's there another prophecy about the coming of Christ. Um, so we've seen three prophecies so far about uh, that uh, that they've included here in in chap Matthew chapter one and two so far, and, and this doesn't include all the other ones that they didn't um, that Matthew didn't write into the book. All throughout the Old Testament, there's so much prophecy from hundreds and 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 a few thousand years uh, before Christ came. And it is an incredible. And when we look at that, that little passage we just saw there, uh, the magi they come they come to a king to to find the king because they're expecting that that's where the king is going to be the king of the Jews would be. But again, God doesn't do things the way we want it done. He does it in His own perfect planning. And when Herod the king, uh, when he heard about this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So they were they were seeing this as as all the Jews were. They were seeing this as as a um, a plot to overthrow uh, his kingdom, his his little his little area, but more moreover, the Romans would have seen this as as a plot to overthrow. Uh, no, rather, the Jews would have seen this as a plot to overthrow Rome, because they were under Rome. They didn't want Rome. They wanted to get rid of Rome. And again, Matthew is trying to make it clear that man saw this as as. We're going to destroy the government. We're going to we're going to fight back against tyranny. We're going to be uh, saved from Rome, which, in, in depending on the context, it, it depends. But that wasn't Jesus's purpose. His purpose wasn't to take over the natural world. His his purpose is to save people from their sins. That's why he came. Uh, so now we we are up to verse seven. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and determined from then the exact time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. Now he's saying that, but do we really think he's going to come worship another king? A child, he thinks this child is going to be a king? A threat to his kingdom? No chance. And after hearing the king, verse 9, they went on their way, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east, went on ahead of them, until it came to a stop over the place where the child was to be found. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and after they came into the house, they saw the child was Mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after being warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Isn't isn't that incredible? Um, that they they realize that this is this is the king. They they experienced great joy. They fell down and worshipped him. They worshipped a baby. I just find that incredible. If you keep reading on in both Matthew and Luke, you'll read um, about how Herod tries to kill Jesus again, and he slaughters. Uh, all the boys two years and younger in uh, in Bethlehem, but uh, before that could happen, uh, God uh, told Joseph to to take Mary and Jesus uh, to Egypt. In by doing that, they fulfilled more prophecy. Again, more prophecy was fulfilled, and then you go to Luke, 
and and we haven't presented in the uh, in the temple. That's another incredible experience. But we're going to leave it to uh, the main story there. And what what an incredible uh, story that was that God came down, stooped down low to become one of us, that He might redeem us from our sins. The price that that we would uh, we should ultimately have to pay was taken off of us. The the suffering that we should have endured was taken away from us because because of this this uh, this birth and. And so in this Christmas season where things generally are, a lot of people are more happy and, and they see all the lights and they enjoy the presents and and everything, we need to remember to look back to the Christ of Christmas. While the world turns ever darker and ever secular, we need to look back to what, what really truly is important, that Christ came to save us. Because nothing else matters. If Christ didn't come as a baby, um, as as a sinless as the sinless Christ, as the Messiah, then our, our faith is null and void. If he didn't come and die for us, then we're just living a fantasy. And that's why in Second Corinthians four eighteen, it says, "While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but at the but the things which are not seen." Are eternal, and that's what we need to look towards. We need to look the the author and perfecter of our faith, who's who's taking us to glory one day. So in this Christmas time, we need to remember to look to Christ above everything else. So um, yeah, that's the uh, most important thing. Christ is the reason for the season. Yeah, so I uh, hoped you'd like to. Uh, this look at at the story of of Christmas, how 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 it came to be. Um, yeah, I hope you all have a uh, good Christmas, and uh, we'll see you again next year.